Good morning. I'm so glad uh, to get to share with you today. God's been teaching me a lot uh, about this part of the Lord's Prayer, and um, I just hope that it will be as meaningful to you as it has been to me. Uh, when I was first out of college, I worked for a church in Iowa, and I was there one night after dark. I was just working. I was preparing some materials for a class I was teaching, and just enjoying the quiet. I was alone in the church, and uh, just great time to get stuff done, right? You all know what that's like, especially if you have little kids, that it's great to be alone sometimes to get things done. And I was, um, I was working away, and I was in my office, and I needed to make some copies, so I went across the hall to where the copy room was, and all of a sudden I panicked, because when I walked out in the hall, I realized that there was a car parked right out the glass doors to get into the church were right there at the end of the hall. And there was a car sitting there with its parking lights on. And it was right outside the glass doors. And suddenly, I was not so excited to be alone in the church. And I also became very aware that anyone outside could see me, because of course there's windows everywhere, and curtains and shades are open but I could not see out. And so all of a sudden, I felt very vulnerable. Uh, so I walked across the hall, acted like nothing faced me, and I'm making my copies all of a sudden, like trying to do it with like an extra bit of like strength or flair, like somehow that it would uh, not, uh, you know, like I would show that I'm somehow powerful making copies if somebody was looking at me, you know, totally ridiculous. But I'm trying to do this and like act like nothing's wrong, very much aware of what is going on uh, or what could be going on outside of me. And I, um, so I make the copies and then I had a great idea. I'm like, I'm gonna turn the lights off and then nobody can see me and I'm gonna see what's going on. So I turned the lights off and I snuck out into the hall and I looked and I was hoping that the car would be gone, but it was not. And so I was still there, still feeling vulnerable. And so then I went back in the copy room thinking they'll probably think I'm in my office, right? And um, I went back in the copy room and I got down on the floor because all of a sudden I was aware that there was like this window, you know, that they could see in. And so I'm down on the ground, no cell phones, way long before cell phones. And I crawl over to where the phone is and I reach up and I call my friend Ryoko and I'm like, I am so scared, I wanna leave, but I can't leave, and I don't know what to do, there's a car here. She's like, just stay put, we'll come. Okay, so I sit down on the floor and I wait. About 10 minutes later, I hear this knocking on the glass door, and so I kind of sheepishly come out in the hall, and I'm looking down, and the car left when they came, and I see my friend and her daughter, her teenage daughter, and they're standing there, and they're knocking at the door, and they're laughing. And so I walk down, I let them in, and they're like, it was a police car. <laughs> and I was, never in my life have I been so relieved to know that I was actually being guarded and protected when I thought that I was in danger. Well, the truth is that we are all under the watchful eye of a protector all the time. We have a God who is guarding us. We have a God who cares about what is going on in our lives. And whether we realize it or not, whether we, have, whether we, whether we take access to it or not, we have a God who is taking care of us. We are continuing in our series about the Lord's Prayer today. 
we've been learning about praying with humility, right? How we come to God who is holy. He is a big God and we are not. We've learned about um, how we come to God and we surrender who we are. May his kingdom come. May his will be done in us, not our own will. We've learned about how we have a God who wants to meet our needs, that we can come to him and ask for daily bread and all of the things that are important to us. And we've come and we've learned about what it's like to live in relationship with other people, how we have a God who's forgiven us and he invites us and asks us to forgive people around us. And today, we're gonna be looking at the next verse in this prayer that Jesus taught. These are the words that Jesus left to his followers, right? When they were asking, Lord, how do we pray? This is what he told them. And this is what we get to look at today. It's Matthew 6, verse 13. It says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. With this prayer, Jesus is teaching us to be aware of the protection that God provides. It also tells us that God is concerned about our spiritual well-being, doesn't it? It makes us aware that God knows that we are spiritually vulnerable and that he wants us to be spiritually well. The Bible tells us um, that there is actually an enemy that threatens our spiritual well-being. Uh, in 1 Peter 5, 8, it says that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He is looking to take us out. In Ephesians 6, 12, it says that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It is not against each other. It is not against what we see but it is against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We are told to resist the devil and that he will flee from us in James 4, 7. The fact that God is telling us to resist the devil indicates that there is a devil that is coming after us, doesn't it? There really is an enemy of God and there really is an enemy of our souls. Jesus died and rose again to free us from this enemy, but we are still in a battle. Until Jesus comes back, and when he comes back, he will come in complete victory. But until then, we are living in a battle. There is an enemy who will continue to fight in this world for darkness and confusion and fear and hate. And I think we know this, don't we? And I think oftentimes, do you want me to move this mic? <laughs> I don't know, I'm sorry. I, I hope that the clicking is not distracting you guys. <laughs> I have a bad outfit for the microphone and I didn't realize it till I got here, so. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna, sorry. <laughs> Okay, so um, let me go back. Okay, so there is an enemy who will continue to fight. And I think we know this, right? I think we know that there is an enemy 
around us. And I think oftentimes we get distracted and we think that it's the people around us, right? We think that it's our spouse who's driving us crazy. We think that it's um, the, the, the selfish people in the world and the hate that's around there. But it is really a spiritual battle that we are in. Today's verse is confronting the unseen evil that is part of our lives on earth. Jesus is teaching us how to pray for ourselves, for each other, for the church, and for our world. He is showing us how to live life. He says, lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. I love that he says us throughout this verse. Yes, he wants us to pray for ourselves, but he very much wants us to be praying for each other. And this prayer is for his church. It is for all of God's people. I want us to look at this one sentence in Matthew 6, verse 13. It really has two parts to it, doesn't it? And they're, they're separated by a comma, so it's easy to see which part. But if we look at it, if we're going to look at them separately, because I think it'll actually help us understand the whole thing better. The first part can raise a bit of confusion. And I don't want us to get sidetracked by the language here. It says, lead us not into temptation. Clearly, we are praying that God would lead us in ways that will protect us from being tempted. Now, some scholars and some people who read the Bible have been um, confused by this language because it seems to indicate that God could or would lead us to be tempted, right? Would lead us into temptation. And as always, when we are trying to understand what God is saying to us in the Bible, we want to look at the whole of Scripture. We want to look at all of what he's told us, and we want to use that to help us interpret every part, right? And so I, I think there's a verse in James that is especially helpful for this today. If we look at James 1.13, it says, When tempted, no one should say that God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. In fact, the next verse in James shows us where temptations come from. It says that each one is tempted when by our own evil desires we are dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, full grown gives birth to death. These verses show us that God is not the tempter. In fact, he is the very one who wants to show us the way out. And that is confirmed in 1 Corinthians 10:13, where it says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Our God is faithful and his desire is for our good. When we are praying for God to lead us away from temptation, we are praying for God to lead us into the fullness of the life that he offers us. Lead us in the way of life. But the reality is 
that we don't always go that way, do we? We don't always heed the first part of this verse. I can remember uh, long ago when we were living in Wisconsin, this was in the early days of GPS on the phone, okay? So we were just getting rid of maps, if you can imagine that. And we were, we were, Russ and I had a meeting and it was somewhere that we'd never been. It was pretty far away from our house. And so we were following Edna, as we call her, on the phone. We were following Edna to where we needed to go. And she's directing us out and we're taking, you know, turn left, turn right. And we're out in the country and we're like, wow, I wonder where we're going. And we're like, this is really weird. I'm not sure this is the right way, but you know, trust the technology. We're like, we're gonna trust the wisdom of Edna. And so we followed it and then we pull into this little like part of a drive and we're literally in the middle of a field and she declares, you have arrived. <laughs> no, we haven't. <laughs> Clearly, we were not where we wanted to be, nor where we needed to be, were we? Well, it's not really that much different in our lives, is it? We can easily think that we are going somewhere and end up somewhere completely different. We can really end up nowhere where we wanted to be. The truth is that we all end up in the wrong places at times, don't we? We can easily find ourselves in a place that is dangerous for our souls, a place that maybe promised to lead to life, but ends up being a place of bondage, a place where we thought would lead to a destination we wanted but we find out is empty field in the end. All of us get lost sometimes, but God never leaves us there. And there, this is the hope and the declaration of the second part of our verse today. Deliver us from the evil one. We have a God who not only wants to deliver us from the evil one, but he is able to set us free and deliver us in every way. Our God is willing and able to deliver us from all the things that threaten our souls. And he invites us to pray to him that way today and every day. Lead us not into temptation deliver us from the evil one. It's almost as if Jesus knew we might fall into temptation, isn't it? It's almost as if he anticipated that we would walk, we would not walk away from temptation, but instead we would find ourselves in the stranglehold of sin again. Of course, it is our first desire to walk away when sin is enticing us. But when we don't, when we find ourselves once again in that place where we are trapped and in bondage, we can be sure that we can pray to our God to deliver us from the evil one. We can pray that he will set us free from the hold of the enemy and from the death that he desires for us. I wonder what is tempting you. Is it money? Is it trying to be powerful? 
or to avoid weakness in your life and in your relationships. Maybe it's lust or some secret addiction. Or maybe it's just the way you numb your pain or your loneliness or your emptiness. Perhaps you find yourself jealous of other people's homes, their relationships, their clothes, their bodies. Maybe you get angry and you hurt people that you care about. Or perhaps you're prone to fear. Maybe you're tempted to be arrogant, thinking that you don't need God or anyone else. Maybe you find yourself being selfish or unforgiving or judgmental. Have I given enough examples? <laughs> we can keep going if we need to, but I am certain we can hit every one of us in the room because there is a devil that prowls around like a roaring lion and he is looking for someone to devour. And he is after our souls. We are all vulnerable to temptation. And I think sometimes we don't even necessarily know what is happening and we find ourselves there, don't we? I mean, there are definitely times where we are caught in overt sins, right? Where we are tempted and we choose to go into it. Addictions, rage, greed, lust, sometimes we know what is tempting us. But sometimes I think we become enslaved by these covert sins, right? Like, like unforgiveness, like Ryan talked about last week. Bitterness, I will not forgive them for what they did to me. Pride, fear, these things can seize us and our souls are not well. I was recently tricked in a season of struggle and realized that I had fallen into temptation. It was a season of, of pain in my life. And it was completely, that part was completely out of my control, right? What started out as a stressful situation, a health crisis, and a battle with a disease led to me becoming fearful that God would not come through for me or my family. Layered on top of that, what started out as financial struggle led to me doubting that God was a good provider or at least that he was a good provider for me and my family. And eventually I realized that I had become enslaved to the sin of unbelief and not trusting God. Little did I know that those legitimate struggles, right, and questions for God, the questions that we all have at different times, would actually lead me to a place of bondage. You see, the struggles are not the problem, right? In fact, when we face challenges and fear and loneliness and unmet needs, 
when we question God's timing and his ways, we have an opportunity to bring our need to God, and he can minister to us in that place. But when we give in to the temptation and decide that our way must be better than God's, that is when it all takes a turn. That is when we head down that road. We realize we are no longer living in the freedom that Jesus purchased for us, but we are now living in a place of death. Either way, whether we know we go into it or whether we find ourselves there unknowingly, temptation is everywhere. And there is a reason that Jesus wants to teach us to pray for his protection. There is a reason. The Israelites in Isaiah found themselves in bondage as well because there was an enemy that was threatening to attack them. Much like us, they were vulnerable and they needed help but they did not turn to God. In fact, they turned to Egypt, much like we are tempted to do a lot of the time. Just to pause for a minute, was there another time that the Israelites ended up in Egypt? <laughs> I was struck by this, as we, as it, and we'll get into these verses, I was struck by this this week. If you, I'm sure many of you remember, and if you don't, let me tell you, there's a time where the Israelites, who are, the, who are God's people, right? So we know in the Old Testament, when God is teaching us about the Israelites, we are learning about how God interacts with us, right? Because we are his people now. And so the Israelites ended up in Egypt once before, didn't they? And they were there as slaves. And God orchestrated this huge plan over years of time involving tons of people and plagues and all of this, all of this work on his behalf to deliver the people from Egypt, right? I just want that to be the backdrop as we read this, okay? Because the, the, the Israelites are once again turning to Egypt. And in Isaiah 31, it says, woe to those who go down to Egypt for help, who rely on horses, who trust in the multitude of their chariots and the great strength of their horsemen, but do not look to the Holy One of Israel or seek help from the Lord. Whatever your temptation is, those things that tempt you not to go God's way, those are like Egypt in this passage. So as we read it, I want you to think about it like that. Woe to you who go down to Egypt. Woe to you who turn to anger to solve your problem, who think more stuff can fix your life, who envy so-and-so who has this or that that you want. Woe to you who go down to Egypt. I love that the word is down to Egypt. It's not up. God does this other times in the Old Testament too. They went down to Egypt. They did not look up. They did not look up to heaven and to God. They went down to Egypt. Woe to you who trust in the mighty chariots and in the strength of the horsemen. Woe to you who think that the world's way is better than God's, who have determined that taking control is the way to win. 
being self-reliant and trusting in what you see. Woe to you. Because you see, in verse 3 it says, the Egyptians, they were just mere mortals. They were not God. Their horses are flesh. They are not spirit. When the Lord stretches out his hand, those who help will stumble. Those who are helped will fall. All will perish together. Temptation is tricky, isn't it? Because it's tempting. It really does seem like making sure we meet our own needs at the expense of others would be better for us, doesn't it? It really does look like going after money or power or popularity or position or pleasure or whatever looks appealing that it really would make us happier and make our lives better. It really does seem like we can do what feels good and we will like what we're doing. But it's not true. The tricky thing about temptation is that it doesn't deliver. The Egyptians were mere mortals. They were not God. Their horses, they were flesh. They might look strong. They might look like they could rescue you, but they are not God's spirit. They are not God, and they are not the powerful ones. When God steps in, their power crumbles, as we see in this verse. God has the trump card, and all else fails. Isaiah 30 says this, Woe to the obstinate children, declares the Lord, to those who carry out plans that are not mine, forming an alliance, but not by my spirit, heaping sin upon sin, who go down to Egypt. Notice it's down again. Down to Egypt without consulting me, who look to Pharaoh's protection, to Egypt's shade for refuge. But Pharaoh's protection will be to your shame. Egypt's shade will bring you disgrace. Sin has a way of enticing us. It looks good, but it never delivers for long. It seems like it will feel better or be easier or fix a problem. I get that. But it only leads to our shame and disgrace. Egypt's protection and shade is our bondage. There is a strategy that native hunters in Africa use to catch monkeys. And they, they use, they cut open a coconut shell, they cut it in half, and then they hollow out the inside so it's, so it's empty in there. And then on one half, they cut a little hole that's just big enough for a monkey to put his hand in the hole. And then they put an orange in the other half, and they secure the coconut back together, and they'll hang it from a tree. And then uh, the hunters actually just, they retreat into the jungle and wait. And sooner or later, an unsuspecting monkey will swing by and smell the orange. And they'll look around and they'll find that it's inside the coconut and it smells good and they want it. And so they'll reach their hand inside and they'll grab onto the orange and try to pull it out of the hole. But of course they cannot get 
the orange and their hand out of the hole. So while they're pulling, trying to get what they want, they have no idea what kind of danger they're in because the hunters will just approach them and throw a net over them and they're caught. All because they would not let go. They are trapped. We are not much different than those monkeys, are we? Seeing something we want or need and grabbing onto it, not realizing that our method of getting it is really leading to our death, to the enemy's trap. And so we pray, lead us not into temptation because we don't want to get trapped. But when we are, we can pray that God will deliver us. And it involves letting go of the sin that enticed us in the first place. God promises that he will come for us. Isaiah 30, 18, back to our story in Isaiah, says, yet the Lord longs to be gracious to us. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion. In Psalm 31.4, it says, as a lion growls, a great lion over its prey. This lion is actually, it's referring to God in this passage. And I love that he uses the image of a lion here because of what we talked about earlier, right? How there is a lion who, a roar, that, this, that the devil is like a roaring lion looking to devour us. But here God is a greater lion to protect us. And it says, as a lion growls, a great lion over its prey, and though a whole band of shepherds is called together against it, it is not frightened by their shouts or disturbed by their clamor. So the Lord Almighty will come down. Now God is coming down to where we are. He will come down to do battle on Mount Zion and on its heights. Like birds hovering overhead, the Lord Almighty will shield Jerusalem. He will shield it and deliver it. He will pass over and rescue it. A shield is for our protection, isn't it? God is giving us a glimpse of his power to deliver us. Here in this small, and I would encourage you to read through Isaiah 30 and 31 this week, the whole passage. It's just a wonderful picture of God's deliverance. But here in this small part of Isaiah, one place among so many in the Bible where God is showing us his power to deliver, we see why Jesus would want us to pray for protection, don't we? Lead us not down to Egypt, God. Protect us from being tricked by thinking that our way is better than yours. And when we do give in, when the enemy convinces us that his lying ways are better than yours, when we find ourselves trapped again, when the GPS lies and leads us to an empty field and we are not where we thought we would be, deliver us from the evil one because we are a vulnerable people and we need God to set us free. I wonder what would happen if we really prayed like this. What if we took Jesus seriously 
and actually prayed to be protected from temptation and prayed that he would give us freedom in every area of our lives. What if we prayed that God would lead us in the way of life and free us from the way of death? I was thinking in my own life about uh, just the increasing amounts of peace and joy and trust and faith that come and the fullness that eventually follows when we pray this way, when I let him lead, when I trust his plan, when I give my heart to him, when I trust his ways and his protection, we have a God who longs to protect us. And I was thinking about the hundreds of times where God has come down in his mercy and in his abundant grace and rescued me again from bondage. My friends, we live in a world full of temptation, full of struggle, full of heartache and pain and sin. And I cannot promise you that you will not face great struggle. In fact, I can probably assure you of the opposite. And Jesus himself did not promise that we would not face struggle, did he? That's right, he did. But he invites us to pray for protection because he knows that there are dangers in this world. We have an enemy who would love to take us out, but there is a God. There is a God who is guarding our hearts just like that police car watching over a young woman who had no idea how exposed and vulnerable she was to the world outside. He is protecting our souls and he desires to lead us to places of abundant life. And more than that even, he is our friend. And he is the lover of our souls and he wants us to pray to him. Will you have the courage to pray this way, this week? Will you try it? Will you pray this way for yourself, for your children, for your college campus, for your school, for your workplace, for our church family, for our community? Will you pray that God will lead us in the way of life and free us from the way of death. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you are a God who is powerful and strong and that you are a God who cares about our hearts and our lives, and you know, Lord, you know what is tempting us. You know where we fall. You know where we're in bondage, Lord, and I pray that you would free us, that you would free us from the evil one, that you would deliver us into fully the life that you have for us. I pray that you would give us courage to pray, to be aware of the battle around us, and to pray for your protection. God, and I pray that our lives would bring you glory.
today and every day until we see you again. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.